Growing Up with a growing understanding speech pathology. Conversations about children's development that will support you through your parenting journey. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Up with a Growing Understanding Speech Pathology. Today I am joined by a friend and someone that I've known for a little while now, Marie Bendike. And Marie is coming from the place of a mum who has taken on a project, a big project of training an assistance dog uh, to support her daughter and her family to be able to help her child and her daughter to be able to function and to be able to do what she does best in the world around her. So I thought it would be great to have a conversation with Marie about what it's like to be training an assistance dog and what that process looks like. So welcome to the podcast, Marie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat to you all things puppies. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you come at this, I think what you do with your assistance dog, Atlas, um, is just incredible. And that's what led us to be able to have these conversations. And I thought, why not record some of these conversations that we're having? What has that journey been like? How did you get to the point where you decided that an assistance dog would be good for you and your family? It's a long story and a long journey. So I'll try and give you the short version. But um, I was actually doing some work with a family who had an assistance dog of their own. And I'd been involved from the get-go helping them fundraise because it's quite a big sum of money to invest into. So I helped that family all along the way. Then when the dog did arrive, I started photographing the journey for them because I'm a professional photographer. And then I was able to see firsthand the, the difference that this dog was making in this child's life. And when my daughter was diagnosed uh, at age three, I decided that this would maybe be something that would really benefit her. And so we started the journey of looking into where to begin, long waiting lists, lots of money and how we could best make that work for our family. So what has your daughter been diagnosed with and what did you think that an assistance dog might be able to help her to be able to do? Yeah, so Everly has autism, so she's level two. She's also got a generalised anxiety disorder and that seems to really be what affects her the most. So she's very uh, fearful around people, new environments, new spaces. She's often non-verbal out of our house. She'll talk at home, but she doesn't really talk much out of the house. So we felt like a dog would be a great way of sometimes keeping people away from her because we can use him as a little bit of a barrier because people do often approach her because she's really cute <laughs> especially the old ladies they want to say hello to her and uh, you know that's really traumatic for her so we were able to use him as a little bit of a barrier but then we thought in time to come as she did get older and more confident that he could perhaps be a great conversation starter and a way to talk to people because it gives us something to talk about because she adores him and we've really started to involve her in his training so she can get him to do tricks and it's kind of become a little bit of a party trick now when people visit for her to show her dog and you know generally to have a dog do something that you want it to do you need to speak to it so although Atlas does know some signs as well we're always encouraging her to talk to him to get the things that she wants from him so it's been a great way to encourage her communication skills. I don't know whether I've ever told you this before, but I'm not actually a dog person at all. So okay. I don't actually, I feel like you just gave me that look as like, oh, who am I talking to now? But, Sorry, you know, I didn't mean to be no. judgmental. <laughs> but I didn't grow up with animals. Okay. And my dad had allergies to fur. So, sure. you know, we never had animals growing up apart from goldfish. Yeah. And so I think it was something that I never really experienced. And so I, I was quite... 
fearful, not fearful in a, you know, that I was afraid that the dog would attack or anything like that, but fearful of the responsibilities, I guess, of, yeah. of dog ownership. But we started our conversation because I've got a dog now yes. and we went down that path of an assistance dog or a therapy dog for my son who's autistic. And I also thought that it would be really great to have a therapy dog within the speech pathology clinic as well. So we started to look at animal assisted therapy. And so I think it's it's really interesting to kind of go through that journey of how do you select a dog? Yeah, sure. How do, like, what are some of the considerations that are involved and those kind of things? And I adore our dog, um, Millie, now. Yep. But, you know, it was a process for me to get to the point where I could actually take on that responsibility of an animal yes. and what's involved in that training process and things as well. So uh, there's some things that I learned. What do you look for in a dog if they're going to be an assistance dog or a therapy dog? Yeah, so I guess the first thing I might just clarify the difference between a therapy dog and assistance dog because people are always really confused by that. So a therapy dog is basically a very well-trained pet that might uh, offer support at home, but also in a workplace, as you suggested, having one in the clinic. You'll often see them in schools, sometimes nursing homes, places like that will use them. Whereas an assistance dog, it takes it up to the next step where that dog is legally allowed to access properties, facilities. They're allowed to go everywhere except for some zoos, aquariums with quarantine issues and intensive care. It allows you to legally take that dog everywhere. So I guess you need to first consider, am I looking for a therapy dog or am I looking for a dog, you know, that will go out and about and everywhere with us? The journey is different for everyone, but basically any dog can become either a therapy or an assistance dog. So we chose to start with a puppy. It was a financial decision for us because to purchase a ready-to-go assistance dog, you know, is $20,000, $30,000 plus, which wasn't an option for us. So we selected a puppy and we went with a, a Labradoodle because uh, they're often used in this role. They're very smart. The non-shedding thing was great for us. It also reduces the need for me to carry a mat around in public. If you have a shedding dog, then you need to provide something for them to sit on. And when I'm trying to juggle a four-year-old and a, and a dog, you know, the less I have to carry, the better. But honestly, if you had a dog at home that was calm, got, got on well with, with all people, other animals, then there's not really any reason why you couldn't start the process with them. Generally, you want to start with a younger dog, but dogs aren't certified with what's called public access, which allows them to legally go everywhere until the age of two, usually. So, I mean, if you were somebody sitting at home going, you know what, our Labradoodle that we have already have, or our Kelpie is really smart, it's intuitive, then there's nothing to stop you from working with an organisation or a trainer to convert a dog that you may already have. It's just a matter of having them come around and do an assessment, and they can help you make a decision on whether or not you you may already have a dog suitable for the role because as you say getting a whole new pet is a huge commitment on its own and we were having that conversation because you mentioned very quickly but you are an awesome photographer and you do pet photography as your main line I of do. work yes. currently that's not always what you've done but currently yeah. pet photography yeah. and we were talking when you were photographing Millie that you don't know what you're getting when you're getting a puppy. You know, yes. you, you've got the breed characteristics of the dog that, you know, they're, if they're smart or, you know, if they are shedding, non-shedding, you know, all of those kind of things. But you don't know what the personality is like until they're a little bit older. And, and, and generally, as you said, they can't, you know, qualify until they're at least... 
12 months, two years. Yes. So you don't know what you're necessarily looking for, but you, you are looking for dogs that are calm and brave and, you know, inquisitive, but, you know, at the same time can follow instructions and do that training as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess there's two different perspectives. If you were to, uh, you know, adopt a dog from the RSPCA or use an existing dog, I guess to a certain extent you have more of an understanding of who they've become as a dog and what their skill sets would be. But then on the flip side, the trainers that I choose to work with were really adamant that we started with, I guess, a blank canvas. You know, we, we chose the parents. We knew that uh, our dog came from lines of, of dogs that were working in this area. It's such a critical time before that 18-week mark to expose them, have them see, you know, wheelchairs, shopping trolleys, all these kind of things. So in, in doing it from a puppy, we had a lot more control over his exposure and his desensitization and that critical window. But at the same time, it's such a gamble doing it as a puppy because you can't be sure, you know, at two, if this is going to be a really sensible dog. And to be honest, um, Atlas has a higher energy than we had expected and ideally what I would be looking for. And I do have times where I say, I just need him to be two already, you know, because I know he'll be of great benefit when he is older and when he is calmer. But then at the same time, this is such a critical time to be shaping him into the dog that we need him to be. Is he doing some of the things that you want him to do? Like what impact has it had on yeah. your daughter? And well, it's interesting that you say that because I've had so many people lately, whether it be her therapists or, you know, friends of the family say, Evely is just doing so well, you know, in the last six to seven months, she's just, she's really made such great gains. And it was only the other day that I started calculating how long have we had this dog, you know, and it does marry up pretty much at the same time that he arrived is when we started to see some really great improvements with her, definitely. So, you know, we've got a lot of sensory issues going on. So Atlas has been able to help with that. You know, he brings a lot of, because uh, she can stroke him. He's got, you know, nice silky fur. Uh, she's playing independently because she'll play with him. So that's definitely been a big thing. Just simple things now I can, you know, have some breakfast or start to pack a bag for the day because she'll just play independently with him. So that's been wonderful. We've still got a lot of things that, you know, we're working towards. We're working towards them being able to sleep independently together. We have a few trust issues with Atlas at the moment. Uh, as a Labradoodle, he has Retriever in him. So he does feel the need to constantly be... Uh, taking things so we need to definitely get him to a point where that's not happening for them to be able to sleep together successfully but uh yeah we've seen uh, amazing improvements since we've had him but it it's been a big journey definitely it's been exhausting we want to know who you'd like to hear from or what topics you would like us to discuss so we can continue to grow together reach out via email to growing up at a growing did you grow up with dogs? I did, yes. So I grew up on a farm, but having said that, dogs on farms are very different to dogs these days. But yeah, I've always been around animals. I had really bad health as a teenager and I ended up with a dog that I guess you could say became a little bit of a therapy dog and I used to show her. So she was an Australian champion show dog. So I guess I've always been around dogs and I took on a role with Dog Rescue. So I've been volunteer for over 10 years now. In that time, we've fostered and 
and rescued, rehomed over 20 dogs. And then, as you say, I'm actually a canine photographer now, so I specialise in photography of animals. So it's safe to say I've always, you know, been around animals, I work with animals. And I think that's one of the reasons why I did make the decision because I spent a lot of time with animals. I'm certainly not a trainer, but I had access to trainers, access to groomers. You know, I knew where great vets were and I was able to use all those contacts to to help me basically on this journey. I'm not sure I would have been brave enough to do it, you know, had I not had the experience, I guess, that I that I do, but I've got a lot to learn still as we go. And I think that that's why I wanted to bring you into the podcast and to have the conversation recorded was because I know that you've been sharing a lot of your journey and your experience on social. Yeah, sure. And I know that families are seeking this information. You know, families are, are looking for ways to be able to support their children to be able to grow and develop their skills and it often comes up about oh a therapy dog or an assistance dog may help my child where do I get information and I think you are a wealth of information because you're you're living this experience and you're going through that and you've got that knowledge that you're able to then yeah just talk about what that process is like and what what is the starting point so if you had a tip or a a, an idea for families what would be the starting point what should families do if they think that they might like to start exploring the the concept of a therapy dog assistance dog yeah so Emily was only just turned three when we got atlas and that's actually very young so generally you wouldn't get an assistance dog till you know seven or eight or sometimes older and People were reluctant, I guess, to to allow us to start the journey. But the reason why we did start so young is because I feel like the biggest challenge for Everly moving forward is going to be transitioning to kindergarten. So I knew that if I had a two-year window that we would have him ready for, for kindergarten. So that's always been my goal is to make sure that he was ready to go if she needed him um, for kindergarten. So that's why we started when we did. So I think if anybody was even thinking, you know, this could be a great thing for us, you know, start making inquiries and put your name on a waiting list the waiting lists are massive you know whether or not you go through an organization or a company that is providing ready-to-go dogs two three year wait and particularly with the organizations where you need to fundraise like often you need to fundraise a twenty thousand dollar component and then they will start to train the dog and you know you're looking at two plus years of training so i think just you know pop your name on that waiting list you can always take it back off but you don't want to kind of go you know we really need a dog now because it, it doesn't generally happen that quickly it was for us it did happen quite quickly it was just a string of events you know some a little bit of fate i guess that he appeared quicker than than we had expected but I do know most families have waited at least two up to four or five years for a dog. And in terms of resources that families can Yep. Yeah, look for and look at. Where did you find some of your information? Some of them were local contacts and people sure. that you knew through yeah. the industry. But where could people find out more about? Yeah, so yeah. there's a couple of organisations in Australia. So I guess you need to decide whether or not you want to go with an organisation. So Mind Dog is one of the ones that sort of gets thrown around a lot. That's where you know you would seek out a dog and then a trainer would come in help you and and start the process and they become an organization so um, you report to them you train with them you sit your exams with them and I guess they could protect you in a sense if you were refused entry somewhere etc or if you want to do it on more of a private level which is what we've done so uh, what we're doing is called owner training so I have a trainer that I catch up with every Friday and then in the meantime it becomes my responsibility to do the bulk of Atlas's training 
thing. So that has worked out the most cost effective way for us, but it's also probably one of the more challenging ways to, to do it because a lot of the pressure has fallen onto me. But yeah, there's a lot of uh, organizations in Australia that you could make some inquiries with. There's some great support groups online and I am always happy to answer questions. When I take Atlas out, he attracts a lot of attention. It's been overwhelming the amount of parents who have stopped and chatted to me and asked for some more information. And I'm always happy to share what we've been through. And if anyone wanted to jump on and follow, we're on Instagram. So it's A is for Atlas on Instagram. We've only got a small following so far, but you can see, you know, photos of him and his adventures and some of our training that we're working on and all the mischief that he gets up to as well. And I'm thinking too that it may be helpful for us to be able to document some of this discussion. Certainly this will be up on the podcast and we'll put it into the show notes. But I wonder whether it might even, I'm talking out loud and, and looking at you as I'm, <laughs> as I'm talking, but it might be, even be really helpful on a blog to be able to put some information in there yeah, about yeah, what that process looks like. Because yeah. I think that everyone is seeking that information. I know that I turn to you to you know ask you sure. questions about what to do in terms of that process when we got Millie but I think people are seeking that information and there are a lot of organizations out there but it's just trying to get an understanding about what that process looks like because there are so many individual variables for individual families as well as you know different states and different organizations and different families have got all different needs so I think um, it would be good to explore that a little bit further and it's just been great to be able to have this conversation for sure Yeah. yeah Touching on that, actually, while you mentioned that, Lauren, the laws actually are different between New South Wales and Queensland. So that's something that was quite confusing for me as well. So Queensland actually have, I guess, uh, a higher standard and expectation of what a dog needs to do. The laws are a little bit more lax in New South Wales, but I'm expecting in time that we'll sort of follow suit with them. But uh, yeah, as I said, even when we first got Atlas, it was quite surprising the amount of people that I already knew that I didn't realise were, you know, even had children with special needs were reaching out to me and uh, it has sparked a lot of conversation and it's been really lovely that you know our journey has been able to help other people and I guess maybe give some people the courage to to start and put their name on a waiting list and move forward with it all. Grow with us and join an active community of parents on Facebook at A Growing Understanding and Instagram Grow Understanding. If you had one particular piece of advice for the parents or carers or people that are listening in relation to getting an assistance dog or a therapy dog apart from you know just putting your name down on a waiting list and get on in the process do you have any advice about the process um, or how it's helped you yes absolutely so definitely do a lot of research because there's a lot of breeders who are making claims that they really shouldn't be making because nobody can guarantee that a dog is of assistance quality you can certainly look and see do they have dogs already working in this role have puppies gone on to graduate in similar situations so do your research definitely Um, but probably I I certainly went into it uh, knowing it was going to be massive but the one thing that I probably did really underestimate in hindsight was the challenges of training a puppy and having at the time a three-year-old with autism so that's definitely been really challenging to a point where I very quickly learned that I couldn't take the two of them out together. So that put a hold on his training and my husband works away uh, most of the time through the week. So it meant that I could really only do Atlas's training, like taking him out and about that is on the weekend. So I guess you really need to look at 
if you are selling with a puppy, where am I going to fit this in? You know, you need to be working with a dog every day, even if it's just five minutes, three times a day, like am I going to fit this in? How are we going to do puppy preschool? How am I going to find the time? Because you've, I've really had to put in quite a lot of work without the children, which which is challenging as a mum. You know how hard it is to even just have a shower on your own, let alone find an hour or two to take a dog to a shopping centre. So I think just really make an educated decision on how am I going to fit this in and if that means taking holidays or having a RDO on Fridays or whatever you need to do because it's just so crucial particularly in the first six months to make the time and although I felt like you know I knew what I was in for and I was all over it I really underestimated children that may know better than me undoing a lot of the good work that I was putting in. I think that that's all really great advice thanks so much for sharing your journey and And yeah, all of the information that you've got, I think it's going to be really valuable to a number of the families that are listening. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. And, you know, as I said, if anyone wants to reach out, I'd be more than happy to answer any questions. And I hope that maybe it's inspired people to get the ball rolling. You know, it has been challenging, but it's the reward has far outweighed that, definitely. Thanks for listening to Growing Up with a Growing Understanding Speech Pathology. We love helping families navigate their parenting concerns and ensuring your child can grow and achieve. Please rate and review wherever you're listening so we can continue to grow together.